I really, really wanted them to change. Um, that meant a lot to me um, because I felt like I was doing it to make the road safer for other people. And I think that my uncle would have wanted that too. It was about making sure that this did not happen again and what problems happened that caused this accident that need to be fixed. I'm attorney Dave Craig, managing partner and one of the founders of the law firm of Craig, Kelly & Follows. I've represented people who have been seriously injured or who have had a family member killed in a semi or other big truck wreck for over 30 years. Following the wreck, their lives are chaos. Often they don't even know enough about the process to ask the right questions. It is my goal to empower you by providing you with the information you need to protect yourself and your family. In each and every episode, I will interview top experts and professionals that are involved in truck wreck cases. This is After the Crash. Today on After the Crash, we have Melinda Pennycuff, uh, a client of ours, um, and uh, she's our guest. Um, Melinda, thank you for uh, being a guest on uh, After the Crash podcast. Sure, no problem. So, Melinda, why don't you just tell us, start off, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I live in Shelbyville, Indiana. Um, I own a business here in town, and I run that business uh, with my father. Um. And I came to you to uh, discuss a crash that happened with my uncle. Um, and that's how we met. Yeah. And unfortunately, Melinda had a, had the misfortune. Her, her uncle, uh, Robert Hogan, uh, was um, with another family on their way back from vacation. And uh, they were on I-65 and they entered a construction zone. And um, your uncle was with people that, were close, close friends of his. I mean, they were, they're almost like family to him. I, my understanding is, and, and, um, you know, construction zones like construction zones all through this country are, are extraordinarily deadly. Um, and they shouldn't be, but they are. And, um, and, and Robert, your, your uncle was just a passenger. The vehicle slowed down for traffic. Left lane was closed and it was merging into the, to, uh, cutting down the number of lanes. And, um, uh, they were stopped in traffic uh, when they were struck by a semi that plowed into the back of them. And it killed, ultimately killed six people, uh, died that day uh, back in July of 2017. And, um, and so you came to us to help you with that case. And, and I want people to know, and, and I just want, you know, cause there's other people out there that have gone through similar experiences or are going through them and they don't know what questions to ask. They don't know anything about the process. And, you know, what my goal is with this podcast is to provide information to people um, and let them know some things, let them know what to ask, let them know what the process is like. Um, you know, you went through a horrific situation. I mean, your family lost somebody very close to them and there was no reason for it. I mean, there really wasn't. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about the details, but, it, you know, uh, we signed the, we, the case is settled. Um, for you people who are listening. So, you know, uh, we're not talking about something that hasn't already settled um, and is settled with a confidentiality. So we won't talk about numbers, which I wouldn't do anyway. Uh, we won't be talking about the numbers or the conditions, or we won't even name the, the defendant. Uh, but the rest of the facts are all, all just, you know, all sorts of things we can talk about. 
and uh, in the process of what you went through, we can talk about. So, um, so again, I, I appreciate your you coming on here. I know that's not an easy topic to talk about, but there's a lot of people out there going through the same type of situation as you went through. So let's first of all start about talk about you know how did you know to to pick a lawyer? I mean, you ultimately decided you you ultimately were the personal representative for your uncle, and that had to be not even necessarily an easy decision just to decide, hey, I want to take some action on behalf of my family. Right. Yeah. I obviously I had never been through anything like this, never sued someone for something like this. Um, it was all new to me. Um, actually one of the other family members that was involved in the crash had contacted me, um, because she had a son that was involved in the crash. Luckily he had survived. Um, but she was starting to rack up you know, she knew that she was going to be racking up medical bills. She knew that she was going to be racking up uh, therapy bills um, and and loss of income um, because she lost her husband um, in the accident, as well as her uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law. Um, so she had contacted me, um, told me that she was hiring an attorney um, and that would that be something that I was interested in? I, at the time we thought we had to go with one attorney, um, but I wasn't sure about that. So I started doing some research online, um, looking into and realizing that it's really important that you get representation when you're dealing with these types of situations. Um, and so I started Googling um, and looking online about what to look for an attorney, um, looking obviously for someone locally, um, because I didn't want to go with someone who was too far away from me and so forth. Um, so that is what I did, um, to do research. And when I did, I found you guys. And that's when I made the phone call to you to make sure, because my initial reaction was this is not okay. <laughs> You can't drive a semi into the back of somebody and and it be okay and not face some kind of consequences. I didn't want, obviously, I would have liked for criminal charges um, in the case. Didn't know whether or not that was going to happen at the time. All I knew was that it was horrific um, and just different things that I had heard from the coroner, different things I had heard from the funeral person that took care of my uncle's body when it came back. It just made me more and more angry and sad and just a lot of different feelings that you have, confusion as to why did this happen? How does this not happen again? I don't want anybody else to go through this. So my thought process was, I'm going to make sure that this doesn't just happen. And, and hopefully, it. I, I know the chances that it will happen again are likely, happens all the time but I was frustrated with things not being done and, and, and seeing this kind of situation happen when it shouldn't have, it should not have happened. And I think that's normal is that, you know, normally there's a, somebody in the family who stands up and says, Hey, yeah. something needs to be done. And in this case, you happen to be that family member um, yeah. and became personal representative and made the decisions for this case. But I th you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I think too often people think it's all about the money. Um, you know, you hear that all the time. 
and you know, and people, and, and I think the defense and the insurance companies and the trucking companies, they want to make it sound like it's all about the money. Um, right. It's not. I mean, you can talk a little bit about that. It's not about it's just all about the money. No, it's not. In fact, I actually felt a little guilt of suing somebody about this. I mean, I didn't. And what would people think, you know, that I did that? You know, would they think that I was after the money? And it wasn't. It really was not about that. It was about making sure that this did not happen again. And what problems happened that caused this accident that need to be fixed? Um, And they need to be punished for for things that they did wrong as to why this happened. Something had to have gone wrong to make this happen. And I think those are normal feelings for people to feel. And this is a case where, um, so... So for the audience's sake, this is a case where a semi-tractor trailer, an 18-wheeler, was driving at night, had its cruise control on, set above the speed limit in the construction zone. The semi went into this construction zone, even though there had been miles of warnings, there had been miles of signs, flashing lights that said the lane was narrowing. Despite all that, the semi continued to go forward with its cruise control on, it never swerved, it never braked, uh, and, and until it plowed into the back end of your family's uh, vehicle. And, um, and so it was one of those that you looked at this and you said, there is, this should never have happened. I mean, there, you know, right. sometimes you see wrecks where, you know, maybe there's, it's unavoidable. Um, maybe people have taken steps to try to avoid the wreck. But in this case, right. this truck driver, did not appear to have taken any steps whatsoever to avoid this collision. And, and, and so that it was one of those things that extraordinarily frustrating uh, for your family, as well as for your attorneys. Yeah. And, and so you had the good sense. I mean, the problem is that you would think about a case like that. You would say, okay, well, gosh, it's pretty straightforward. The semi driver didn't break. The semi driver didn't swerve. The semi-driver was speeding. The semi-driver plowed into the back end of a vehicle. They should just say they're sorry and take care of what and, and fix and pay for the harm they've caused. But as you know, that's not what happens. Right. Instead, they fight and try to protect themselves. Right. And, and, yes. you, and you know that firsthand. I mean, you saw the fighting we had to do. Um, I mean, the first beginning part is that you have to hire lawyers, you know, where so I mean, it's not like you can do it on your own. You hire a lawyer and then we have to preserve the evidence um, by doing downloads of the ECM or the electronic control module of the semi. We have to get the cell phone records and look and see what the cell phone records show. Um, We have to get the driving records. And so. I mean, even in a case that looks like it's straightforward, a lot of work goes in to proving what happened that day or what we alleged happened that day. So how does it feel like? I mean, I mean, I I can't imagine. So as a lawyer and I've done semi cases for over 35 years, I'm used to that. But as somebody in the family, how does that make you feel when the other side fights you? It's frustrating. Um, it is very frustrating. 
Um, and I think one of the things in the beginning was I didn't realize how quick they can, I mean, when it happens, they're on it right now. Um, whereas I think it was at least probably a few weeks before I even contacted you guys and, and not really knowing how important to preserving that evidence is. Um, and I don't think we had any issue with that, luckily. But had I known what I know now, I'd have been on the phone that night <laughs> yeah. um, just to make sure that there was no covering up or any kind of tampering. And I'm not saying they did that in this case, but I know in some cases that can happen. Um, and so knowing what I know now, I'm glad that I got in touch quickly. Um, probably should have gotten in touch a little quicker if I had to, you know, luckily I would never have to be in this situation again. Um, but then when you start the process there, you know, you start going through the court process and they're changing things and they're, you know, arguing in court over different motions and all different kinds of things. It, it can be frustrating um, because you know that they know they did something wrong and that's, and I know they're just doing their job, but it, it can be very frustrating for people who are clients. Um, but just, I think you just have to go into it realizing that that's going to be the issue. Um, and luckily I had gone through, I used to be an investigator um, on child abuse cases. So I knew a little bit about how the legal process worked which probably gave me a little bit more experience in expecting this kind of stuff for someone who's never dealt with the legal process. I think that they should know that you're going to be frustrated, but you've got to just take that in and realize it's part of it that you just have to kind of deal with. I mean, one of the things that after doing this for so long is that you're absolutely right. I mean, the trucking company and their insurance companies, um, they immediately, as soon as there's a bad wreck, they immediately, I mean, sometimes the drivers call dispatch before they call 911. And, and they put their company on notice and they immediately start doing damage control. They have what they call first response teams. Um, and they send these people out. And I've had actually insurance people and trucking claims people at a scene before even the bodies are removed. It's that, they're there that quick. And they are there to yeah. not to, to, to search for the, I mean, I mean, I guess they're trying to obtain evidence and facts, but they're there trying to figure out how do we preserve and protect our clients? How do we protect the insurance company? Some lawyers, I, I've met lawyers on the defense that work for trucking companies that in their contract, they're required to be at the scene within so many hours after a wreck. These are the lawyers. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, they take steps. They're immediately doing things to protect their claims where the family oftentimes are like you. They feel guilty. Should I call a lawyer? Should I not call a lawyer? What do I do? Um, you know, and they're they're hesitant to rush in. But every day that goes by is a day potentially where evidence is destroyed or lost or altered or witnesses' recollection changes. So I think you did the right thing in moving as quickly as what you did. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's 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 a difficult process to go through. And it's hard when you're in the process of first dealing with the shock of what has happened, because it is shocking. And then 
you're trying to plan the funeral, you're trying to mourn, you're trying to wrap your head around this whole situation. And in the meantime, you have to worry about, okay, I've, I've got to get an attorney for this. You know, I, I got to find out what happened. And the other frustrating thing that I came across was because the police know how it works. I had trouble even getting information from the police. I mean, they would just say it's an ongoing investigation. It's an ongoing investigation. And then you can't even get those answers from them because they're being very careful. One, I'm sure for criminal, criminal trial reasons or potential for criminal charges, but also because they know that there's going to be probably lawsuits out of it. Um, so that's another thing that I encountered that probably some other people are going to encounter as well. And I would kind of, it's just something that you've got to deal with too, again, in this type of situation, which is why it's really good to have an attorney um, to represent you and your interests. Because I found out more from you guys than I did the police department. Um, the coroner told me more than the police department told me. Um, and that's another reason why you want to get on it and get on it quick. And, and a lot of times the police department, they're, they're overwhelmed because in this case, this was a horrible, it was from, you know, after we did their depositions, we found out it was like the worst wreck they've ever investigated. It was horrible. Yeah. There was multiple vehicles yeah. involved and it was really bad. And, you know, they were looking at it from a different perspective. And quite frankly, they're not trained at the level that, you know, the people I hire are trained. And so the police are right. limited resources and if you're counting on the police to do your investigation, then you're going to come up short because they don't have the people or the money or the resources to do it right. Yeah. For example, in this case, you know, so what you do is you kind of rule things out. So we knew that the semi driver was not on his cell phone. And we knew that by looking at subpoenaing his cell phone records. So you, because that's the first thing you think of. Somebody runs into the back end of a vehicle. They're not paying attention. Are they distracted because of their cell phone? And so the first thing we do is subpoena the cell phone records. And we found out this driver was not on his cell phone. The next thing you do is, is you say, okay, was well, there any evasive action? Was there braking done? And we could tell from the electronic control module, there's a, so there's a computer in every semi and we hire experts to download that semi, that data. And that data showed us that he hadn't braked, that he had his truck on cruise control, that he was exceeding the speed limit in the construction zone. So now we know that he's not distracted. We know that he's got his truck on cruise control, that it doesn't kick off so he doesn't brake. So now you're trying to think, okay, maybe drugs or alcohol. Well, the police right. had tested this man and he did not have any drugs or alcohol in his system. So that kind of, you start eliminating things. So that led us to the conclusion that maybe he fell asleep. Right. So then you start looking at that, those facts. That's something the police never did. In your uncle's case, the police never looked to see, is it possible this man fell asleep? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so then we hire, in this case, we hired a doctor to actually make the truck driver get examined because he was overweight. He had a big neck. Um, he had all these, he had high blood pressure. 
He had all these factors that would lead you to the conclusion that he might be, he might have sleep apnea. So we said, okay, well, he had never been tested by the trucking company. The police weren't looking at that. And so we, you, on, on your behalf, we had to hire a doctor and have this truck driver examine to see if he had sleep apnea. And the police would never do that. Right, right. And so in this case, we had we found out his, his neck, his throat was actually narrow. And our doctor said he, it's likely that this man has sleep apnea. And if you have sleep apnea, you can drive a semi as long as you're being treated. This man wasn't being treated. So we suspected right. that he fell asleep because he had sleep apnea. And we hired an expert to say that. And that was our allegation. Now, the case settled, so we don't, we'll never know what the jury would have thought. But the case settled. Right. But, but, but they fought us. The, the trucking company fought us. They did not want this truck driver examined. They did not want right. us to know whether he had sleep apnea or not. And, uh, and, and, right. and again, I thank you because as a client, you allowed us to go in and, and do our investigation and find out why did this wreck happen? And that, as a family member, I think that's part of what you're trying to figure out, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the biggest question. Why? Why did this happen? You know, it, it's the unanswered question that I couldn't get from anyone other than when I hired you guys and you started investigating and then things started to make sense. Um, it's, it's the number one question. And, that, yeah. and that's true with every client I've ever hired. A client has never asked me, how much money do you think this case is worth? Clients always right. ask me, why did this happen? Yeah, it's the number one question. Why did it happen? Why did six people lose their lives, you know? And it's hard to wrap your head around that. Even throughout the years that we were still figuring things out, you know, it's it's the question that still remains in your mind of, I mean, I think we have a pretty good idea now why it happened, but. Well, and, but yeah. and the other thing we found out, we got his cell phone records and we found out that he hadn't this, that on the weekend prior to this wreck, he had not been sleeping. And so he would switch, he would sleep, he would drive at nights and sleep during the day. But on the weekends, he would sleep at night and drive during, and, and be awake during the day. So he was switching his sleep thing, which is also dangerous. On top of that, we found his cell phone records and we tracked them. And we found out that he had been up and, and not sleeping. So you had a combination of a guy who, on the days that he should have been sleeping, he wasn't sleeping. He lied to us about that in the beginning. And it wasn't until the deposition we were able to show that. And then on top of that, he had, we believe he had sleep apnea. And so that, and then the trucking company didn't do anything to figure that out. And they put this man behind the wheel and then he killed your family and, and killed, you know, five other people. Yeah. And so I think that's important for people to understand that, you know, we had to hire uh, truck experts. We had to hire sleep experts. We had to hire um, sleep apnea experts. We had to hire phone experts, record experts, download experts. 
and on that, and just to get the company to take us seriously. So you went through a mediation. So part of the process is you so we sued them. We filed a complaint. We went through all this discovery in order to find all this stuff out. And then we went through two mediations. Mm-hmm. Tell the tell folks that because yes. they don't, you know, most of these people have never been through a mediation. And it's got to be right. a frustrating yeah. process. Tell us about the mediation process. <laughs> well, I had never been through a mediation process. Um, I knew what it was. I knew what it involved, um, but I had never been through one. Um, It can be a frustrating process if you go into it thinking you're going to settle. Um, So I kind of went into it knowing that, one, from you guys, that it was not going to settle. And two, just knowing that in my own mind, it probably was not going to be resolved, at least not on the first mediation. Um, and on the second one, I really had my doubts as well, to be honest with you. Um, but it's kind of a back and forth process. Um, you've got to go into it. I think with your mind that you, you are willing to go to trial on it. Um, in this case, there was a lot of evidence I would say against them. Um, so I felt very confident and if we went to trial, um, it wasn't going to be a problem to go to trial. Um, and I think if you put that kind of in your mind, when you're going through the mediation process, it will help you become more confident in that mediation process. Um, of course you have a mediator, but he's dealing with both sides, but if you can come across that, hey, I'm not afraid to go to trial, that is a big part of what they go back to them and say, look, <laughs> you know, you've got somebody that they're not worried about going to trial. So you need to try to work this out. Um, and I think that was really good. You stood your ground on that. I backed you up on that kind of situation. And I think that helps uh, your case when you're dealing with mediation. And I think that's, you know, um, I hear about lawyers all the time who kind of twist their client's arms to settle. And and that frustrates me because it's really your choice. It's not the lawyer's choice. And you should make sure you have a lawyer who's, who does go to trial, who's willing to go to trial, um, who allows the client to make that decision. Um, So you have to have a lawyer who's willing to go to trial, but then you have to have a client like yourself, who's willing to go to trial because that's how you ultimately get the best results. Absolutely. I would agree. And I think it's important to talk to your attorney and we had talked about different scenarios of, okay, what are the strong points to our case? What are maybe some, any weaknesses that we have in our case? And a good attorney will explain both of those to you and let you in the end decide um, what, what you want to do as far as when you settle and, and so forth, or whether or not you go to trial. I mean, I was fully prepared, had it all scheduled. I was off work. I was going to trial and I would have been totally okay with, with that situation. Is it hard for me to get off work? Absolutely. (laughs) Especially when you run your own business like you do. Yeah. People think that it's not, but it can be difficult for especially a business owner to get off because I'm a very small business. And, and with the whole COVID situation, you know, being shorthanded and, 
and all kinds of different factors going on. It didn't matter. This was what was important to me, not for the money, but to find out why and make sure that this hopefully did not happen to anyone else by punishing those who did wrong by not making sure their people were checked for sleep apnea, for not making sleep a priority with their drivers, um, for not doing all these steps that they really need to do and they should be doing to make sure that our roads are safe for everyone. Um, and so, yeah. Well, at the first mediation, they, they gave you a really low offer. At the second yeah. mediation, <laughs> they gave you another low offer, a little bit higher, but still low and said they would never pay us a certain number that they ended up paying us more uh, more than that eventually. Um, but right. I, you, you held in there. You, like you said, you knew, okay, I'll go try this case. And, and you, you know, what you did was you said, eventually you and I talked and you said they either pay us this number, X number, or they pay us Y and Y is less than X, but you have, they have to change their policies. And again, we can't really discuss what option they picked, but you chose. You said, look, you can pay us more or you can pay us less, but you have to make the roads safer. You have to change things, change the way you're doing things. And, and I've done that on other cases and not every client's willing to do that. And that's OK. But I, you know, I think that that's something that you did that I give you credit for, that you were willing to stand with me and say no. We'll either go to trial or you have to pay us X or you have to pay us Y and do what we ask you to do. Right. Did that take, I mean, was that a hard decision for you to make? You know, it really wasn't um, because the change is what I wanted. I really, really wanted them to change. Um, that meant a lot to me. Um, because I felt like I was doing it to make the road safer for other people. And I think that my uncle would have wanted that too. Um, so it was a fairly easy decision for me that, hey, I'm willing to take less monetary value if you make a change. And and I would prefer that they had taken that. So, And I think companies, I that's the what companies will... <laughs> We can't say what they did, but we will say that companies, the only way they will change is when they have to change. And yes. um, and when you give them incentive and by letting them pay less money, sometimes that's enough of an incentive um, that you can get change. Now, some companies want to change and they want to be safer anyway. Um, but I think, you know, the best way to assure a company will change is by holding your line like you did. Um, yeah. And, and we were just not willing to negotiate. Um, once you said that, you said this is X or Y, or we go to trial. And we made it yeah. real simple. You know, and at that point, I mean, we were done meeting. We went through two mediations. And then the other thing I give you credit for is everybody else settled. Everybody settled yeah. except you. Right. You know, and you and I, we hung in there. And that, yeah. had, you, that took bravery on your part to say, despite what everybody else is doing, my uncle would have wanted this. And I give you credit for saying, no, you either pay us X or Y, but we're not budging or we go to trial. And that's what you did. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I liked your whole thing of either meet us here or don't even call us. <laughs> you know, um, don't even bother calling us if you're not going to come at least to here and then we'll talk from there. And I, I liked that that way of, of doing the mediation. And I think that's what helped get it settled finally. Um, and I was very happy with, with how we handled it, I think. Well, um, what else, as far as the process, um, it takes longer probably than what most people think. Um, you know, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Don't, don't be in any hurry. <laughs> um, Again, I, I didn't feel like I was in any kind of hurry um, to settle it. Now, I realize that there's going to be people that that probably have medical bills and all these different things coming in, and I don't know how that process works for them. Um, but obviously, with my uncle's situation, I didn't have that um, issue. I didn't have another family member in there that needed um, other medical attention, um, or therapy or, or things like that matter. So I, I don't know how to advise people on that type of situation. But if you're in a situation where you don't have those needs, um, be prepared. Either way, you have to be prepared for it being a long process um, because it is. It, it is never settled quickly. Um, they don't like to admit that they're at fault for anything and you just got to wait it out. And once you wait it out for so long, you might as well wait it out for the rest. Yeah. Um, and, and just deal with that. Yeah. And, and certainly everybody's different. Um, the other folks yeah. that were in this wreck had good lawyers and there's nothing wrong with settling. Uh, everybody has sure. their own, everybody has to look out for themselves. And everybody in this case had lawyers that were willing to either go to trial or settle. Um, whatever their clients wanted. And that's all you want. You want an attorney who respects your opinion, who will settle if you want to settle, who will go to trial if you want to go to trial. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, everybody's situation is different. I think all the attorneys, as far as I know, you know, pretty much represented, I think, their, their clients well. Um, it's just a matter of what someone's individual needs are and, and, how they decide to, to handle things. Um, for me, it was always about making sure that and trying to make sure this didn't happen again. That was my number one goal with it. Is there anything else you can think of that you think the people that are unfortunately just getting ready to go through this process should know about the, the legal process? Yeah, I think um, if they just... You got to try. You got to find you a good attorney. Obviously, I'm I'm biased. I think you're a great attorney. Your people were absolutely wonderful. Um, always kept me up to date. Any questions I had, they always answered it. That's the kind of attorney that you want. Is someone that will listen to you. Um, will do this all this work. I appreciate everything you know that that everybody did on this case. Um, you're going to go through a lot of ups and downs, but um, just hang in there, get you a good support system. There were times where I couldn't sleep at night because I would start thinking about this case and really what my uncle and all these people went through. And that can be difficult. Um, you know, and every time you start meeting and, and through depositions or whatever, it brings all of those feelings back up again. 
and you're dealing with it again. And, and that can be tough. Um, but if you have somebody that's really strong and, and supportive with you, and luckily I have a great family, my husband and my father, um, you know, if you can try to, to find someone that helps with that support, as well as remember the good times that you had with that person, because sometimes you can get really focused on, oh my God, I can't believe they died this way. And I can't believe this happened. And it's still surreal to me sometimes, but then I try to remember the good things in their life and all the fun times that we had together and all of those different things. And it helps you get through this long, tedious process. Um, so that's the main thing that I would tell people is just stick in there and, and realize that you're going to have this roller coaster that you feel like you're on sometimes, but it's in the end, I think, especially for us, it was all worth it. Um, and if you can make change, make it change. That's the most important thing, really. So it doesn't happen to anyone else. Well, Melinda, thank you. And, and thank you for your courage. And thank you for sticking out for your uncle. Um, thanks for yeah. your courage for drawing a line in the sand and, and sticking by it. Um, yeah. So that's the, way, that's the way change happens. So thank you for yeah. being a guest on After the Crash, the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate all your hard work that your firm's done for me. This is David Craig, and you've been listening to After the Crash. If you'd like more information about me or my law firm, please go to our website, ckflaw.com. Or if you'd like to talk to me, you can call 1-800-ASK-DAVID. If you would like a guide on what to do after a truck wreck, then pick up my book, Semi-Truck Wreck, A Guide for Victims and Their Families, which is available on Amazon, or you can download it for free on our website, ckflaw.com.